Is there more than one way to get to heaven? Do all religions simply end in the same place? Am I a Christian simply because I grew up in a Christian home? You ever had those thoughts? I mean, if all roads lead to heaven, why bother talking about Jesus, right? Why bother with what we call missions? So what I want to do today as we continue our series on Better Together is talk about the why, the what, and the how of missions. I'd like to take a look at why we do missions and then work through the concept of Jesus and missions. So in case you have been here the last couple of weeks, uh, I had shared with uh, the music team this morning, so in um, my Master's of Divinity work, and I had a concentration expository preaching, uh, my, my professor, Dr. Rose, who you've met, he came and preached on the Holy Spirit. He said, as a local pastor, you kind of have the advantage of, you just have to advance the bases. So you just take people to the next base. He said, but now the challenge is, if you're a guest speaker, you got to take them all the way around the bases. So in case you haven't realized, the last two weeks, I've had to take you all the way around the bases both weeks. And now you get week three of, we're going all the way around the bases this morning. (laughs) We're doing it in missions. But basically, I need to, because if we're going to really understand the rest of what we're going to talk about, Jesus and love and Jesus and justice and Jesus and and all these things we'll cover, you need to understand kingdom, kingdom of God. You you have to understand scripture. You've got to understand missions. Because when you understand those three things, they're big. Everything else makes sense. Now, that's not to say that as we work through those things that It'll make sense. It's not to say that it won't push up against maybe some things that we've, we've held dear and, and near that might need change, but, but God will help us. And at least it will make sense as we work through it. And God's truth has a way of piercing things that other things cannot, but it also has a way of setting us free like nothing else can. And that's the goal here. We're meant to live free. She shared that well, that we're not just meant to enjoy freedom for ourselves, but then it helps set others free too. That's really what the message today is all about. So if you have your Bibles... Hey, I hope you do. We say that if you're new to Connection Point Church, because we want you daily in God's Word. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, taking a look at the the last few verses of that chapter, verses 18 through 20 this morning. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And and here's what we find. Matthew writes, and, and Jesus tells the disciples... Jesus came and said to them, so Jesus has died, he's been resurrected from the dead, he is shortly thereafter going to ascend to the Father, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because of the death of Jesus on the cross where he was crowned king, we've talked about these things, I'm hoping these scriptures are making more sense. He was crowned king, he's about to ascend for his coronation, all authority. He came and defeated sin, death, and the devil. It's been done. And now we're just in the mop-up operation. I've shared that. All authority. So because all authority has been given to King Jesus, therefore, now we know, there's this therefore, because that's happened, go and make disciples. Jesus has the authority. He sends us as his emissaries, his servants, his missionaries. Baptize them. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teach them, another translation, to obey all that I have commanded you. Why? Because we have a king. And behold, I'm with you. That's the promise. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you to the very ends of the age. But you be seated. These are the very words of God. Let's have a seat and, and dive in. You know, last week we continued our Better Together series with a message on Jesus and Scripture. 
And the week before that, we talked about Jesus and the good news of the kingdom. And, and again, if you miss these messages, please go back and listen to those. It will help the rest of the year make sense. And I will say this, I hope it encourages you as you begin to abide daily and you read God's word, both Old Testament, New Testament, I hope it starts making more sense. That's really what I hope in these last three Sundays, both the last two and, and today. I hope as you read scripture, like it's opened and new understanding happens. Because those messages, the ones that we're going to share today and, and the previous two, they really are foundational to understand. I actually would encourage you, if, you, if you were here for those, go back and listen to them again. There's a lot in there. A lot in there. And, and so I'd encourage you, go back and listen to them. It will help you actually create a framework, not just to understand the series we're in, but I would actually say all of life. It's meant to answer life's big questions of why am I here? What's life all about? Why is there suffering? What is everything pointing to? So I hope that these, these messages help to answer some of those questions. And again, it's these three messages that all the others will be based upon. So be sure to listen to them. We've got a podcast. You can watch them online. But I want it to begin to reshape and reorder your life. That's really the goal. But I want to go ahead and get into this week's message on missions. And, and the starting point is this. Why do we do missions? I actually wrote the message and then I realized I never answered the why. So that's kind of important. Why do we do missions? We do missions because Jesus is the way to God in eternal life. That's it. So it's real simple. Jesus is the way to God in eternal life. So I'm actually not going to spend a lot of time on this point because really I hope I've answered that question in a lot of the other messages I've shared and, and you can find those online. But I do think we have to start here because if all roads lead to heaven, there's no point in doing missions. There's no point. But if not, missions must be our priority. Because to not engage in missions would mean people all over the world would spend an eternity apart from God. And I don't know about you, but that's not okay with me. The most unloving thing we could do is not share the good news of Jesus coming, setting us free and offering others to be set free and live for God, with God, and for others for all of eternity. That would be the most unloving thing we could do. It'd be like having the cure to cancer and not sharing it with those who are dying from that terrible disease. Why would we do that? So last week I talked about the reliability of Scripture, that, that the Bible is God's Word. God's word is our guide. But maybe you're still un, unsure. And, and so maybe a, a book I would encourage you to read, Peculiar Glory from John Piper. So as you have questions, can I encourage you, email me. I'm good to respond to emails. And I can give you other resources and say, I'm really still struggling with this. I can only cover so much in 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. In fact, I can only cover so much in an hour. So I've gone there too. But I still run out of time. So there's only so much I can cover. So if you're still unsure about some of those foundational things, just ask. And there's lots of great resources I could point you to that help you to become firm on, in this particular point, the validity of Scripture. And this matters because if Scripture is God's Word, then the words in it are true, and they should be followed. And this is where we landed last week. As you read Scripture, you come across this verse in the New Testament book of John, and where Jesus, he's sitting at a final meal with his disciples, and before he goes to the cross, here's what Jesus the Messiah says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here's the part that's really important for us with missions. No one comes to the Father except through me. All roads do not lead to heaven. That's why we do missions. You find earlier in the same book, for God so loved the world. Most people, whether they've been in the church or not, they know this verse. He gave his only son. 
Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But I would say, you know, but maybe you're unsure about Jesus and his coming as the Messiah. So another resource you've recommended is Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ. He gives great understanding on, on who Jesus is and that he is the Son of God. Because here's the thing, you've got to become grounded in that the Bible is God's word and Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. When you know those two things, everything else changes in your life. You've got to become rooted in those two things. We do missions because Jesus is the way to life forever with God. And the world, the whole world needs to know this. The whole world needs to know it. The most loving thing we can do with our lives is share the good news of Jesus Christ. And what we know about Jesus is that he came to fulfill Scripture in the mission of God. Jesus came to fulfill Scripture in the mission of God. That's what he came for. So we talked last week about how Jesus came and fulfilled Scripture. This was a really important part. The people of Israel, they were waiting for a David-like leader to come and restore the rule of God. We find in passages in what we call the Old Testament, pointing forward to this day. So I just want to run through. I'll tell you what, I was working through this point this last week and, and looking at all of these scriptures that point to Jesus, and it just, it overwhelmed me. All of, a, a thousand years worth of scriptural writings of God's word, all pointing to Jesus. And he came, and he did what God wanted him to do, and now we get to be a part of that. We find in Deuteronomy 18.15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. So Moses is being attributed to writing this. So from among you, like me, so like Moses from among you, from your brothers, it is him you shall listen. So what you find in Acts chapter 3, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, he says Jesus came in fulfillment of that verse in Deuteronomy. So Jesus comes in fulfillment of this verse, which was written long, long before he came. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 24, we have this verse. My servant David shall be a king over them. They shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. So in Ezekiel, this refers to a person coming from the house of David as a servant of God, a unique shepherd of Israel who will institute the rule of God or kingdom of God in their midst. So again, another scripture that's pointing to Jesus coming. In Hosea chapter 11, we find God will call his son out of Egypt. This is the prophecy. And that's exactly where Mary and Joseph went when they were fleeing from Herod. So Jesus fulfills this prophecy. In Isaiah, we find a young woman, a virgin. It says that she shall conceive and bear a son whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. And this is exactly what the angels came and celebrated the night he was born. We also find in Isaiah chapter 9, for to us, we read this at the Christmas time, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government. I want you to think about, now that you've heard a message on the kingdom of God, think about this verse, of the increase of his government, of his kingdom, and of peace, there will be no end. I will build my church. I will advance my kingdom. The gates of hell won't prevail. Of the increase of his government, it will never end. That's what he says. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. Jesus has perfect justice. God has perfect justice. We want justice in this world that's going to come from one source. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You look at these passages and it's just, I hope it just almost bubbles up in your soul of Jesus came and did this. 
This is what we're in the middle of. Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, beaten so we could be whole. What a king we have. Whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. What kind of king does that? These people are wandering their own way, but I'm going to come so they can be made whole. He left. We have left God's plans to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That's Isaiah 53. That's what Jesus came and did. We have prophecies in Jeremiah and Micah and Zechariah. Passages from Psalms and Proverbs and other Old Testament books. Jesus came in fulfillment of all of these promises to establish his rule, to defeat the powers of darkness, and to set people free. This is who Jesus is. And that's why people were like, I'm running to be baptized by John. They're like, because Jesus came and he's, he's coming in fulfillment of all these things. And as they figured that out, they couldn't help but respond. Missions. I want you to understand this this morning. Missions is what the Bible's all about. Because what God was doing is his mission and mandate. He was gathering the nations unto himself. That was his heart. That's the missionary heart of God. Jesus came to fulfill scripture, but the theme of scripture is missions. As you look at this book, you want to know what the theme is? It's missions. We have a missionary God who sent a missionary son, and now he sends us as missionaries. That's the theme. That's it. I shared last week that Jesus meets these two travelers on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. And, and shortly after this event, what happens is, is now Jesus. So he's appeared to these travelers. They're on their way to Emmaus. They're, he unpacks the scriptures for them. And then he shows up with the disciples in Jerusalem. And here's what he says. This is in, in Luke chapter 24. Then he said to them, so Jesus, he like magically appears in this room with all the disciples. They're a little bit scared. But then he says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus comes in fulfillment of all these passages. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I tell you what, when I was going over that verse this week, I just stopped and prayed, Jesus, open the minds of people of Connection Point Church to understand your scriptures. Open their minds, Jesus. And he said, thus it is written, the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that the repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Jesus says, I came to fulfill scripture and what I did becomes the mission. I send you unto the nations from Jerusalem. That's what he's doing. The whole of scripture finds its focus and fulfillment in the life and death and resurrection of Israel's Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth, and in the mission to all nations, which flows out from that event. So because that event happened, missions happens. That's what it is. When we read our Bible, God's word as our guide, we should read it both messianically and missionally. Jesus came in fulfillment of all these Old Testament passages, and he brings it into a new era of fulfillment. And now missionally, we're sharing that good news with everybody. That's it. That's how we read our scriptures. So here's what I'd encourage you to do. Maybe you're not in the practice of daily reading God's word. Uh, if you've been a part of Connection Point Church, I've shared before, there's this uh, app, the Read Scripture app. It is a great way to read God's word. It, it gives you daily readings. Begin to read scripture and read it through this lens of messianically and missionally and watch as scripture starts to just become alive in your heart. 
So I would encourage you, if you're not on a daily reading plan, start to read God's word every day and allow it begin to shape your life. Because Jesus came to fill scripture and continue the mission of God. And connected to that is this, that Jesus invites and commands us to participate in God's mission. It's really interesting. He invites us, but once we've accepted that invitation, then it becomes this command that this is what we should do as the people of God. We read from the end of the New Testament book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 28. But I want to go forward to to Matthew chapter 4. And starting in verse 18, here's what we find. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, so Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I love their response. This is how we should respond to King Jesus. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Like, no question, no tournament. This is what we're doing now. I know this guy's a real thing, and this is what I'm going to go do. So this is the initial call of Jesus with the disciples. Jesus invites them to participate in the ingathering of people into the kingdom of God. This is obviously a word picture for the fishermen. Jesus saying, you have a new vocation when you follow me. Instead of draw, trying to draw fish into a net, you're going to draw people into a kingdom. Men and women into a kingdom. We've talked about the kingdom of God. Young and old into the kingdom. Black and white into the kingdom. That's what you're now going to do. You're going to focus your life on bringing people into the kingdom. You might have a vocation. Who knows what that is? An electrician, a plumber, a carpenter, a factory worker, a Purdue faculty member. Great, I'm going to use that to provide for your family, but I'm going to use that as a place for you to advance my mission in the world. That's what he's saying to these guys. That's the initial call, and then we read from our passage in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. So same thing. Go fish for people. Go make disciples among men and women in all nations. Bring men and women into the kingdom, baptizing them. And in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. This is what your life's to be about. This is, this is what we see this morning, that people are, are what we're going to see as, as we close here. So we saw this two weeks ago, people baptizing the kingdom. We'll see that again as we close in the service. We've got four people signed up, that we're going to baptize people in the kingdom and others if they want to be. And now what we do, after people have been baptized, what do we do? We spend time teaching them how do we obey what Jesus commands us. Because it's in that life that we live the life God intends. We're meant to be a part of the mop-up operation. We mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. So we see from the very beginning to the very end, Jesus' focus for his disciples is fishing for people, making disciples among men and women to fulfill the mission of God. And that's the question this morning. Have you accepted the invitation to enter the kingdom? So that's step one. Have you accepted the invitation? Jesus says, come follow me. Have you accepted? Wonderful. If you've accepted that invitation, then what happens is now you receive this command from Jesus, our Lord, our King. Now go and make disciples. Are you doing that? Are you anchoring your life around that command, that call? We were driving here this morning and, and just praying with the family on, on what God wants to do today. And, and our daughter, who's 10, she begins to talk about our gathering on a Sunday morning. And she says, and, and why do we do that? It's just kind of the same people every week. Are we really making a difference? That was her question. Well, that's a weighty 10-year-old question at 7.30 in the morning. (laughs) Like, what in the world? She says, aren't the missionaries the ones really doing the work? Like, they're over there, like, reaching people. Like, and tell me, Haley, 
What are we supposed to be doing? So then she's kind of recounting. We are all called to the same thing. We're all called. And it's not just work. It's joyous service in the kingdom. And if you haven't experienced that, my prayer is, is that you begin to step into that life this week. We're all called to that. Yes, we're, it's a joy to gather in Jesus' name and, and for meeting our brothers and sisters in this place, but it's always meant to that we're bringing others along on that journey too. Always. Jesus invites us and commands us to participate in God's mission. And the good news is, we don't have to do it alone. Jesus did not leave us on our own to do this. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We read in Acts chapter 1, in the first book, O Theophilus, so Luke, who wrote Luke. That's why it's called Luke, by the way. Luke, who wrote Luke, then he writes Acts. And so he's writing to Theophilus because he wrote Luke for Theophilus too. He says, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And notice he didn't say finish doing and teaching because we get to continue that work now. So what Jesus began, we continue. And he says, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit, so we have this spirit-empowered Messiah to the apostles whom he chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So here's what happens. After the resurrection, there's kind of only so much the disciples could understand before the resurrection. But now that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, now Jesus can unpack all of the Old Testament scriptures to say, here's what I came to do, and here's what you're invited to. And so he's explaining the kingdom of God to the disciples. They can finally fully understand it. And he says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So they know that Jesus, our suffering servant, our Messiah, that he will come, that he will set up his permanent kingly rule. But they don't understand that there's this time lag, that there's this mop-up operation we're invited to. So this is why they still have questions. And he says to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power for what? He says, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. So Jesus gives us this mission to continue to do and teach what he was doing, but he doesn't give it to us to do alone. He gives us his spirit to do it. What greater gift could we have? Israel's Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, he fulfills scripture and he continues the mission of God through Holy Spirit empowerment. Yeah, remember, so the Holy Spirit. So think about for Jesus, 30, almost 30 silent years. We have at age 12 that he goes to the temple and he's working with teachers. But then what happens for Jesus is not until age 30. It says that at baptism, his water baptism, the Holy Spirit descends as a dove and now he's empowered for ministry. So Jesus, he is our Lord and Savior, but I've also shared that he's also our role model. That we can step into the works that Jesus began to do and teach because of Holy Spirit empowerment. He shows us that. It's what he did, and he invites us to it as well. And so what happens is, is he promises that the Holy Spirit will come upon his followers so that they can continue to do and teach what Jesus was doing and teaching to usher in the rule of God in this new age that we're living in. This evil age is ending. Praise God. And the new age of God's rule is coming. And we need the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission of God before us. 
And this is in part why Jesus actually ascended to heaven. He as king, which he was crowned on the cross, was coronated on his ascension day, sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for us. And I I love this. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you right now? Isn't that awesome? Look, if you want somebody praying for you, better than your grandma. Nothing against grandmas. Jesus is better. He's praying for you right now. He's praying you understand these scriptures. He's praying you catch hold of your value in the kingdom. He's praying you understand the mission you're invited to and he wants to change your life. He's praying for you. And he's praying that we fulfill the mission so that he might come back in all of his fullness and set everything right. Look, the world's broke. If you were unsure about that, I'm sure the last six months have cleared that up for you. World doesn't work. We need Jesus to come back. And the way he comes back is we fulfill the mission. We've had a D-Day. We're anticipating V-Day. And Jesus will come and do it. But we have a task in the in-between time. And what Jesus says is, in their last meal together, look, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage I go. So he says, I'm going to ascend so I can pray and intercede for you. But I'm also going to go because then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. So the other reason Jesus ascends beyond his kingly coronation so that he as our Holy Spirit baptizer could send him who would enable us to fulfill the mission. Uh, Something interesting. So Shelly and I have been been lead pastors here almost five years. And and what I have found is I am apparently not Pentecostal enough for some and too Pentecostal for others. (laughs) I am an equal opportunity offender. But here's the thing. I am neither trying to be too Pentecostal or not enough Pentecostal. I simply know I need the Holy Spirit's power to fulfill the mission and not in some wacky and weird way. Like, that's it. I need power for mission, but I don't need it to be wacky and weird. I know we've got to live a naturally supernatural life if we plan to participate in the mission of God. We have to have the Holy Spirit for it. We have to. So I want to say, you can be a member of Connection Point Church and not be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean I will ever stop encouraging you to seek all that God has for you. Everything. There's always more. Always. Why wouldn't we want that for our lives? And you can't step into the good works God's prepared for you unless you have received everything God has. And and then even still, I feel like there's more. Because what we find in Acts is like this constant refilling. We should always be asking God for more. And he, as our good father, wants to give it. We find this verse in Luke chapter 11. If you then, who are evil, talking to us, if you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We have a good Father. He's got good gifts. And he wants you to have everything that he has for you. He doesn't want to hold anything back from your life. So I encourage you, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, seek that for your life. Seek it out. Because Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's mission And here's the good news. Jesus advances his good kingdom as we fulfill it. Jesus advances his kingdom. So he's doing it. He's doing it all over the world. The increase of his government shall never end. That's a fulfillment. And so he's doing that work. And 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 what was interesting is this summer, as as things were heating up in regards to race relations in our nation, one of the comments I heard, somebody had made a comment, and, and they didn't mean this necessarily in a negative way. They just, it was a really good conversation, actually. But they made this comment that, you know, if you come to Connection Point Church, it's easy to tell the churches for missions. If you're here for very long, you'll figure that out. But then the comment connected to that was, but they didn't think it was as clear 
that the church was against racism. I thought it was a really interesting comment. And I found this interesting because what I realized in that moment is I haven't given a good explanation of what missions is. I, I found this interesting not because we are not against racism. God knows that we are. There is no room for racism in the kingdom of God. There is no room for racism in the church. There is no room for racism in this church. Whenever anybody, anybody that comes into this place, they should feel like they're a part of the family. But that also means it's got to extend our welcoming beyond just welcoming people at the door. We've actually got to invite people into our homes. Everybody. And I would actually, I continue to put before you, invite those into your home that don't look like you. That's what the church is. But I found this interesting because I've realized that I need to better explain what missions is. You see, we are for missions because we're against racism. We are for missions because we are for justice. We're for missions because we're against poverty. We're for missions because we're for refugees. We are for missions because we're for families. The list is long, my friends. Wherever the kingdom of God advances, justice increases, racism diminishes, poverty decreases, homelessness is dealt with, families are strengthened. That's the kingdom. That's what the kingdom does. Wholeness or God's peace, his shalom is found when God's kingdom advances. That's just what happens. People are set free. The Lord's favor is found when missions is done right. And I'll even say this, that actually still happens even if missions is done wrong. That's the power of the gospel. But maybe you're not sure if this is true. You know, do we really know for sure that Christianity actually increases the general well-being of people who follow those teachings? Do we know that? And actually the answer is we do. There was a study done, and you can look this up. It's an amazing study. Thousands of researchers. And here's what they found. They, they were realizing, here was the question, does the act of doing and teaching of Jesus through Holy Spirit empowerment in order to advance the kingdom of God as part of his mop-up operation, so I'm filling in kind of how we've been going after it, does doing that work so that Jesus can come again, does it really deal with things like racism, poverty, lack of education, homelessness, abuse of family relationships, and so on? Does it? That was the question. And, and I also mention this because there's this thinking in our society today that religion is to blame for the struggles our world is facing. Maybe you've come across that. There is this understanding that religion is to blame. Things like 9-11, you know, so, so radical religion in particular. Some hold to the belief that religion must be destroyed for the world to move forward. But that thinking is wrong. And maybe more subtly, something you've, you've heard is that people should not force their faith on others. That conversions and negative words, something we should not be doing. But here's the interesting thing. There was this empirical, long-term, statistically significant study done by Robert Woodbury. You can look it up. A senior research professor at Baylor University where he analyzed the long-term social, political, and economic impact of Protestant missionary activity in Asia, Africa, Latin America. So he went back 100 years. Protestants were, were going out in mission, Asia, Africa. And here's what he found this team of researchers, in his article, it's in the, the Cambridge University Press, what he found is in areas where Protestant missionaries had a significant presence in the past, that those areas are on average more developed today with comparatively better health, lower infant mortality, lower corruption, greater literacy, and a higher educational attainment, especially for women. Wherever the gospel has gone, wherever missions has been done, villages, communities, entire nations have been changed. 
for the better. Life has improved when people have learned to obey the commands of Christ. It just does. Why? Because God's a good God, and he has a good plan for us. But it does take us engaging in that work. And I will say this. That's not to say that there were not racist missionaries. There were. That's not to say there there weren't missionaries who did not engage in self-centered acts. That happened. But turns out, God can use imperfect vessels to do his great kingdom advancing work. Praise God! You don't have to be perfect. God will get it done anyway. But we do have to do the work. Wherever the kingdom of God has advanced in our world, heaven has intersected earth. It has. Heaven, where every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, they live together in eternal glory. So I want to ask, have you made it a priority to share the good news of the kingdom with others? Are you living in such a way? Here's a question. Are you living in such a way that makes other people curious? Are you following these teachings so well that people look at your marriage with envy? They look at your parenting and wonder, how in the world? I've seen those kids. How do they do that? Are you living like that? If you follow Jesus, commit your heart to him, are empowered by the Spirit to live like that, you can see the kingdom advance all around you. In your life, it starts with you. It starts with you. Don't go about trying to change the world. You're going to realize it's too big. Don't go about trying to change your city. You're going to realize it's too big. If you realize in reverse order, if you just change you, you work on you, you allow the Holy Spirit to work on your life, Watch what happens in your marriage. Watch what happens in your family. Then watch what happens in your workplace, in your city, the nation, the world. You think you can't touch the world, you can. But it doesn't start there, it starts right individually in your own heart. Jesus advances his good kingdom as we fulfill God's mission. And Jesus gives us others to fulfill God's mission with. I love this part. Jesus gives us others to fulfill God's mission with. When Jesus invites the disciples to follow him, he's got 12. When Paul travels on his missionary journeys, he's got whole teams of people traveling with him. Small teams and and large teams. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, and Jesus gives us the church to fulfill his mission. Reading from Ephesians chapter 4, I've read this before. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, so when Jesus ascended, he ascended so that he could give us the Holy Spirit. But guess what? He didn't stop there. Like, he just keeps giving gifts. So he ascends on high, led by a host of captives, and he gives gifts to men. Men and women, he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature and fullness of Christ. So Jesus ascends. He gives these various gifts, and he expects that we use them together to fulfill the mission. That's the expectation. In this room today, said apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers. Right here, in the overflow rooms, they're sitting. In their own living room, they're sitting. They're all over the place. And that's why we need each other, because no one of us has all of those gifts in perfect harmony. And God did that on purpose, because he wanted us to be on display to the world of various people to accomplish his purposes, and the world looks to say, that's got to be God. That's not a human endeavor. We're meant to work together in that. I can't do the mission alone. You can't do the mission alone. We can only accomplish the mission together. We truly are better together. But here's this problem. We look across the room. We're like, really, God? That guy? 
We know it. Come on, her. We have struggles. But yet God wants us to work through those things. When you look at the rest of the New Testament, Paul, so he goes and he advances the church. He plants a church in all of these places. And then he spends his time writing letters to say, and this is why you need each other. You're a body. And this is how you interact with one another so that the world can see me. Like he spends the rest of his time trying to help clean up and understand God uses imperfect people together to advance his kingdom. We need each other to get this done. And we'll talk through some of those passages and how do we do that well. So Paul instructs the the church under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit how to live together in harmony so that God's mission might be fulfilled, so that Jesus can come again. And here's the thing that happens when you serve alongside others in church. So here's what happens. Here's part of what, what God is doing, is you wind up shining more brightly. You just do. That, that God gives us each other for the sake of growth so that Jesus can shine more brightly in our lives. He just does. And so do you value your brother and sister in the church? If not, you should. They're helping you. They're helping you in ways sometimes you don't even understand. And what I want to encourage you with is this promise today where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he's speaking to the disciples, whoever believes in me will also do the works I did. How many think Jesus did some amazing works? Absolutely he did. But then he says, but greater works than these you will do because I'm going to the Father. And I really believe that this is a corporate promise. There's not something that I can do greater than what Jesus did, but collectively we can engage in greater works. It takes all of us together to get that done. So Jesus will tell them shortly after this, he's got to go so the Holy Spirit can come, that collectively we can do those works. So man, could I encourage us this morning? Let's make sure if we're not dwelling together in unity, go and have a conversation and figure it out that we might advance the kingdom in ways we could never do on our own. We need each other to do it. Let's follow what Paul tells the church in Rome. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Don't let evil conquer you. Conquer evil by doing good. We have this wonderful example to follow. And as we live like this, Jesus does a great work in us and then through us. So how are you doing? How are you doing serving the Lord enthusiastically? I'm going to talk next week about Jesus and serving. And my encouragement is, if you're not serving here in some capacity, may the Lord compel you to do so. He's got some good works prepared for you to step into. Jesus gave us each other to fulfill God's mission together. And Jesus will come again to finish the mission of God. Jesus will come again. Paul, who we talked about this morning, he writes in a letter to Thessalonica, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. So he's telling the believers... Jesus is coming. The voice of the archangel with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another. So he says, Jesus is coming. We can be encouraged. Why? Because then this evil age is fully over. 
Be encouraged. Jesus is coming again. This is our blessed hope. This evil age is coming to to an end and the age to come is upon us. Jesus will come again to set all things straight. If you look at Psalm 2 where we read, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. Here's what it says of the Messiah who comes again. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds and cast away their cords. And so we know that there are rulers in place that want to advance their agenda, but Jesus will be the one that dethrones all the evil rulers and sets everything straight. And we should be encouraged and comforted by that today. Jesus will do the work. And we have a task in between that time. My question is, are you ready for the return of Jesus? Are you ready for him to come back? He is coming again. And either you're going to be found serving him, advancing his kingdom, or simply trying to advance your own. Which one will it be? We have a king. We live in a kingdom. We have a mission to accomplish. Holy Spirit, power to fulfill it in God's word as our guide. I want to close what's kind of the three-part foundation for us with, with the kingdom creed. It, it helps us to understand here's the metric by which we're living our lives. If you want, I'd encourage you to take a picture, write it down, because it will make, help everything else make sense. And here's the creed, that Jesus Christ, Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, the one who fulfilled all of Old Testament scripture. He is our king, crowned king on the cross, coronated as king during his ascension. He is our Lord, our savior, and our role model. You need to understand who Jesus is. God's word is our guide, and so we need to follow it as such. Missions is our mandate, so we go after that. Holy Spirit, baptism is our power. That's why we seek it. Prayer, fasting, love, truth, and suffering. Those are our weapons, and that's the counterintuitive nature of the kingdom of God. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Jesus came as a suffering Messiah, but those are the weapons of our warfare. We don't advance the kingdom of God like the nations of our world do. We advance it through prayer and fasting and love and truth and suffering. That's how it advances. God's presence. The theme of Scripture is missions. You know what the promise of Scripture is? God's presence. He was with us in the garden. He tabernacled with people in the wilderness. He was in a temple abiding with his people Israel. And he's going to come again one day. And the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem forever. So here's the joy. He's with us as we do the work. That's the promise of Matthew 28. I am with you always, he says. You're not on your own. You've got the Son of God, his spirit in you, and he's walking with you. You want to know part of why we gather on a Sunday morning? Because we want to set up an environment for guaranteed places of encounter. We've talked about that. It says that that the king is enthroned on the praise of his people. When we sing, Jesus is here. It says wherever two or three are gathered, I'm there. Jesus is here this morning with us. So we want to set up guaranteed places of encounter because his presence is our promise. And the return of Jesus, it's our blessed hope for righteous justice. He'll set the world straight. He'll do the work. And eternity with God and other believers, that's our reward. If we understand these things, you can understand the rest of what we're going after. And in closing today, what I want to do is is read the verses that come right before the passage we dealt with in Matthew chapter 28. Starting in verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. So Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. The disciples go to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. And here's the phrase I want us to grapple with this morning. But some doubted. 
resurrected from the dead. He's there. Some doubted. Like, what more does a guy have to do? I don't understand that. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven. So he shows up. He's going to give them this command, but there are still some there doubting. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. He meets with his disciples. Some worshiped, some doubted. So we'll close with this question. In what group do you find yourself this morning? Are you a worshiper or are you a doubter? And we're going to close in song and, and give an opportunity for worship this morning. And I would say that there's three different ways that you could worship today. Number one, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to be water baptized this morning, to be baptized into the kingdom, you need to come and do that this morning. It starts there. Second thing is, maybe you've been a Christian for a lot of years, but you realize this morning as we talk about Jesus and missions, you've really never committed yourself to be a good news carrier. To fulfill the mission, that's our mandate. And so maybe what you need to do as we close in song this morning is just seek the Lord in a place of repentance and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for not fulfilling the mission that you have for us. You could do that here if you want. You could do that in your seat. Make your seat an altar. And just confess that to the Lord this morning and then ask him, so Lord, fill me with your spirit. Empower me to fulfill the mandate you've given me. And that would be the third response. So I hope you fall in one of three camps this morning. You're entering the kingdom. You're repenting to say, I I know I can do better. And the third is, I said, there's always more with God. Seek a refilling to say, Holy Spirit, fill me again. Fill me to overflowing so that I can fulfill the mission because you're not meant to do the mission alone. You can't do it in your own strength. You'll get tired. You'll get burned out. You'll get wore out. But with your Holy Spirit guiding your life, you can do it. So may you engage in one of those three things. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close. So no matter where you find yourself this morning, respond in one of those three ways. Now, we've got four people that are going to be water baptized this morning. So if that's you, feel free to come on down. We've got Matt and Amy. They're going to take you to be able to get water baptized. If there are others in this room that would like to be baptized this morning, we're ready for you. Come and be baptized today. Today's your day. That message of Jesus, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom has come. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's still the message today. So if that's you this morning, if you want to be baptized, come on down from the sanctuary. Come on out from the overflow rooms. Drive here from your house because we're going to sing and then we'll start baptizing. So if that's you this morning, come and be baptized. But otherwise, as they sing, some music team's going to come and they're going to lead us in song. And I just encourage you, if you've not been about the mission, just ask the Lord for his help. He is a gracious father. And repentance is a place of freedom, by the way. That's why we repent, because freedom is found in repentance. And allow the Lord to begin to set you free into the life he has for you this morning. And maybe you've been doing great. Maybe you've been going after the mission, but you realize, you know what? I could ask for more. Do that this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you anew. So whatever you do this morning, if you're entering the kingdom, you're repenting, you're just saying, God, fill me with more. Let's respond.